Jesus goes with me, I'll go. Do I really mean that is what I say to myself. Do I really mean that? Well, we got to watch how we sing and watch what we sing. Do we really mean what we sing? That's so true. That song is true all the way through. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. Jesus goes with me, I'll go. We're going to continue some Thanksgiving thoughts together this evening, some Thanksgiving meditations, and we're again we're going to have some key words to uh, guide us along. So appreciate the opportunity to be with you again uh, this evening. To get our thoughts uh, started, before we get to our key words, I was thinking about what Jesus said about Thanksgiving in Matthew 11 and 25. He thanked the Lord. Notice Jesus in Matthew 11 and 25. He says, I thank you, Lord, Lord of heaven and earth. I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and you have revealed them unto babes. Jesus is thankful for those who have the heart to receive the sayings of God. That's what he's thankful for. Jesus is not discouraging study. He wants us to study and know of his will. But he is rebuking those who feel that they are wise and prudent without God. We remember Paul saying in 1 Corinthians 1, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved is the power of God. And Jesus is dividing population just like that as well. There are those who are foolish and reject the message of the cross and those who are wise who receive it. Thanksgiving is a work of the heart. And as we get into these thoughts, let's please, let's think about this. This is, this is a time to work on our own hearts individually. So, four or five key words uh, this evening. The first word is expression. Expression. Psalm 100 is where we will go to for a minute or two. Psalm 100, but expression. Expression. How do you express thanksgiving? Okay. Expression is such a key element in education, in educating the whole person. When your children are little... You're concerned about a foundation of facts, a foundation of facts. So they are ready and you are ready to just give the facts of God, the facts of life, and their minds are ready to absorb facts. They don't care about why there's facts. They're just facts and give it to me. And then along about middle school, they're ready for investigation. Their mind begins to wonder why all these facts and and why God and why the Bible and, and why do we do what we do? Investigation. And then as children grow to become young adults in the high school and college age years, 
they begin to think about expression. Expression. How do I express myself? But it must begin with a foundation of facts. And then we must be there to help them explore the, the whys and the hows of life, investigation, then expression. Well, how do we express things? Psalm 100 helps us. Psalm 100 helps us. It's a familiar psalm to us, and so uh, you can glance at it as we, as we make our ideals known. First of all, the psalmist seems to say that we express our thanks through shouting, through shouting. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Making ourselves known. We, as followers of God, we do not mind that other people know that we are excited about God. We don't mind that they know that. In fact, we want them to know that. Glance back, if you will, to Psalm 66 for just a minute. Psalm 66. I'm assuming you're interested in these psalms. Psalm 66, verse 1. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing, sing the glory of His name. Give to Him the glorious praise. If you want to check out Psalm 107, verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the earth say so. What are they going to be saying? They're going to be saying, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Let the redeemed of the earth say so. Psalm 107, 2. And so we express thanksgiving by shouting it to the Lord. Letting the Lord know and let the whole earth know. See, we're not ashamed. Just like Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of God. We're not ashamed of God. In fact, Paul commands Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 8, he says, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Testimony is the same thing as gospel there. But don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed. In fact, Jesus says in Mark 8.38, that whoever is ashamed, of, of the Lord, of him and, and his gospel, then, then Jesus said, I'll be ashamed of you at, at, at the coming judgment day when, when I come with all my angels in, in, in my glory. Okay. And so shouting, shouting, and letting the world know is, is an expression of thanksgiving. And then if you continue to look at Psalm 100, notice that serve, it says to serve the Lord. So another way of expressing thanksgiving is to serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. And that just comes naturally when we are grateful to God for His blessings. One example I think of, you could think of a lot, but in Luke 8, 1 through 3, we read about Mary Magdalene and how that Jesus cast out of her seven demons. Seven demons. Sometimes we will read about a demon and all the, the horrific terror it brings and just one, what one demon can bring uh, to an entire community as you read through scriptures. But think about having seven demons and the Lord cast them all out. And from that point onward, Mary Magdalene stayed with her Lord. She served her Lord. We see her, we see her there at the last days. We see her there, especially on the resurrection morning. She's concerned about her Lord. She's devoted from that point onward. It's, it, that's what happens when you're extremely grateful, going to serve. 
In 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, I thank him who enabled me and he put me in his ministry. Paul, what are you doing in the ministry? Well, I'm here because of what the Lord has done for me. If you keep reading in 1 Timothy 1, 12 and 13 and 14, Paul recounts the, the facts that at one time he was a persecutor and at one time he, he lived as a blasphemer. At one time he was very much a violent person, but he received mercy from the Lord. And from that point on, when Paul found out the truth, he found out the truth about the cross, well, you couldn't stop him. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15, he says, I will spend and be spent for your souls. See, that's a servant. That's a servant. Paul mentions serving in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He talks about a reasonable service. He says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Service involves sacrifice. If, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go. Really? Are we really ready for that kind of sacrifice? Hmm. Someone has suggested this from Romans 12, thinking about serving and sacrifice. We give the Lord a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is, we use our time, we use our energy, we, we use our talents, we use what we have, our possessions, we use what we have and the time that we have and for the Lord. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then it's also a logical sacrifice because it's a reasonable service. Reasonable service, a logical sacrifice. The Lord doesn't ask us to do something we don't understand. He doesn't ask us to submit to Him when we, if we don't understand. But when we read the Scriptures, we can understand. And then it's, a, it's not just a living and a logical sacrifice, but it's a lasting sacrifice because it involves the renewing of our mind. See, the mind, the heart, the soul. You know, the body is, is wearing away. 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. The body is wearing away, but the mind is renewed day by day. Okay. And so we express thanksgiving through shouting and through serving, but also through singing, through singing Psalm 100. We sing unto the Lord. Oh, it's, it's just marvelous. Just marvelous. You know, this morning I was having to sum up the thoughts in my mind about thanksgiving and hardship and just had to skip over several things. When I think about hardship and thanksgiving, I think about Paul and Silas there at midnight in the prison in Philippi. And they had just been beaten. They had been beaten without mercy. Many blows laid upon them. You can read it for yourself there in Acts 16. And Yes, we know by reading, we've gone back and read Acts 16 a number of times. We know by reading that earth, God's going to send an earthquake and get them out, but they don't know that. For all they know, the 
the officials officials are going to come back and finish them off. You know, just take their life from them. But what are they doing at midnight? They are singing to God. They're praising the Lord. Is it possible to render thanks unto the Lord in the midst of hardship? It's not only possible, but it's so very important to do so. The songs of the Old Testament were a lot of times songs of deliverance. You might remember the great song that Miriam was involved in in Exodus 15. And that's right on the, the tale of the great deliverance from Egyptian bondage and coming across the Red Sea. Many of the songs of the Old Testament are songs of deliverance. Well, right there in, in Acts 16, that is a song of deliverance that's being sung. That's a song of deliverance. You see, Paul mentions in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 9 that the word of God cannot be bound. They were in prison, but they were free from sin. Anytime we're walking with the Lord, we are free. We are free. Somebody might put us into prison for our faith, but we are free people. The Lord has made us free. And so Paul was singing a praying about a song of deliverance. He would never stop doing that. So we express our thanksgiving through shouting, through serving, through singing, but also as you, as you look at Psalm 100, it says, Know ye that the Lord, He is God. By knowing the Lord, we express our thanksgiving. By knowing the Lord. The more you come to understand that the blessings of life, the abundant blessings of life, are from the Lord, then the more you want to know about Him. If you jump over to, to uh, Matthew 8 and Mark 4, you'll find the accounts, or you find the account of when Jesus calmed the storm. He calmed the storm. I think Luke records it too. But what captures me on, in that account is the last question. And I think, I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three, record the question that comes to people. And the question is this. Who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Who is this? Okay. They couldn't help but ask who is They wanted to come to know who is this? And that ought to be the same sort of reaction that comes from any human being with a good heart to look around and notice the blessings of life. Who is this that is so blessing us? Where are all these abundant blessings coming from? Who is this? And then we seek to know the Lord. I think about Acts 8 and 34 when Philip joins the eunuch, and the eunuch is studying from Isaiah 53, and he's reading about a man who's going to be led to the slaughter like, like a lamb, whose justice, justice is going to be taken away. We know he's reading from Isaiah 53, and Isaiah 53 talks about how this man's going to be bruised for our iniquities, and, and the chastisement of our peace is going to be upon him, and He's going to be wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He wants to know, who is this fellow? Is this prophet talking about himself or somebody else? And, and whammo, 
Philip is, has a wide open gate there to say, I'll tell you who he's talking about. But who is this? Who is this? See, no, a, a proper expression of thanksgiving is to, is to dig and want to know who is the Lord. Here in Psalm 100, you know, know, the, know, he, know the Lord that he is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. So this psalm presents him as, as the creator, right? And this psalm also presents him, um, notice in verse 3, it says, We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So the Lord is not only our creator, but he's our shepherd. He's our shepherd. Verse 4 says in Psalm 100, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Most people comment and say, well, that most likely refers to a king's palace, gates and courts. So Jesus is our king. The Lord is our king. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. To know the Lord by way of salvation is most important. We first come to know him of his abundant blessings and his identity, but we can't stop there. We must know him in means of obtaining salvation. And in 1 John 2, 3 and 4, uh, John writes about this. Okay. And what does it say? What does 1 John 2, 3 and 4 say? There you go. By this we know that we know him. And what's the rest of it? When we keep his commandments. See. Now that's at a different level. That, that, that's describing a person who has come to know God, who has come to know that he is the source of blessings, that he's come to know that, that uh, he has sent his son to die for our sins. Now, now what must I do? You know, what must I do? Well, if you really want to know him, if you really want to get close to him, if you really want to receive salvation, then, then by this we know that we know him and we keep his commandments. Right. And so notice the first word, expression. Expression. Okay. Now, before we leave the idea of expression, look at the word also there in Psalm 100, the word enter. Enter, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You know, living for God involves two big areas. There's, there's the private life that we live where we are endeavoring to be a good example wherever we go in, in all of our business affairs. But then there's also the public life of a follower of God and there are assembly times. And we come, we come to assembly. And how we come to assembly is most important. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter into the gates with a song in your heart. It makes us stop and ask, well, how do I come to worship? How do I come to worship? Do I come with a song in my heart? Or do I come with more of a dread? Do I, do I come wishing it was already over? How, how we approach Bible study, how we approach worship, how we approach any sort of service to God is uh, critical in how that turns out. All right, so first word uh, this evening is expression, expression. 
The second word I want to share with you is the word defense. 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 I want to think with you for a second about, about first steps. First steps. Seem about Brother Philip Waldrop over here. How, how long has it been? A few Thanksgivings ago. How many? Ten years. Almost 11 years. And we were excited because Philip was taking his first steps after having been in basically an induced coma uh, for several weeks because of uh, the aftermath of surgeries on his colon. And I remember uh, Sister Jan uh, giving us the report. He has taken his first steps in a long time. long time. Well, I don't mind telling you it was kind of thrilling the other night when we watched uh, little Sophia Marie uh, almost taking her first steps, basically taking her first steps. Okay. And she would stand up, she stands up now at the couch and she moves herself along the way of the couch, basically walking around and running around. She's basically there. She's been long enough, she's been watching others walk around and she's about tired of that. And she's ready to get involved herself. First steps are often so important. My brother-in-law, my sister's husband, had been having an experience lately. Um, uh, he'll have little spells about just getting really, really dizzy. And uh, he, he's been to the ear doctor several times, but he'll just have a spell. He had, he had a real bad one this past Wednesday. He ended up in the emergency room, but and um, I saw him this afternoon, he's doing just fine. It's really weird, but he was describing how that when he has these spells, he cannot walk. He just, he just don't even, he couldn't, the other day he couldn't get from his bed to the doorway. Okay, and the ambulance had to come, but then later after the spell goes away, he's able to take those first steps again, and it just feels so good to be able to walk again. Someone has said, that the first step to wickedness is ingratitude. Do you believe that? The first step to wickedness, the first step to any negativity, but the first step to sin and wickedness is oftentimes ingratitude. We partly believe it because we have some verses to read. If we, if we read Second Peter Chapter 1 and verse 9, Peter said that there were some folks he was dealing with who had forgotten something. They had left off a lot of qualities such as, such as patience and love and brotherly affection and they weren't growing in their faith. But he says, here's one reason. You, had for, you have forgotten that you have been purged from your sins. And you're very nearsighted now. Okay? You cannot see afar off. You can only see what is near because you have let go. You have forgotten just how important that initial, those first steps, those first steps of salvation really are. And when we let go of that and we are no longer thankful for, for that initial salvation, really bad things can happen. In Revelation 2, verses 4 through 6, you remember...
Jesus addressing the church at, at Ephesus. He says, you need to repent and do the first works. They also had forgotten. They'd forgotten how precious that initial salvation really is. And we remember, we've read together many times, I'm going to read it again, Romans 1, verses 21, as Paul describes the, the heathen of his day, Romans 1, 21, for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, neither did they give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, Professing themselves to become wise, they became fools, and they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. You see how the ingratitude can lead to so many dangerous things. Ephesians chapter 5 also is one we need to read as we contemplate this. Ephesians 5 about verse uh, 3, he says, But now fornication and all impurity and covetousness must not even be, be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Notice that. When thanksgiving is not there, it will be filled with other things, and these things are vile. If we let go of thanksgiving, terrible things are coming our way. You see? Defense. Thanksgiving provides a defense against all worldliness, including idolatry. Let me also mention this to you, 2 Timothy 3, as Paul discusses the, the last days. He says, for people will be lovers of their own selves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, there it is right in the midst of that list, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving that which is good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but they deny the power Thereof. You see, when gratitude leaves, something comes in to take its place, and usually it's just not good. So, the second word I wanted to think with you about is the word defense. Defense. When we feel weak, one of the greatest things to do is to start thanking God. Count your many blessings as we sing. But one of the great defenses against Satan is to come back home to thanksgiving. Then a third word, a third word, is the word escape. Escape. Someone has said that we need to thank God not only for the things that we receive from Him, but the things that we're able to escape. Have you had some narrow escapes in your life? Let me just relax a minute and think... Have you had some narrow escapes? Terry just raised his head. He's sorry, dog. Don't you get back on the motorcycle. But all of you, all of us, we don't know why. We don't know why. 
we've had some narrow escapes. We've done some foolish things. We've gotten in the car with, with people we shouldn't have gotten in the car with. We've had some narrow escapes. We don't know the whys and wherefores on that. All we do know is this. All we do know is we're thankful to God, and the way to be thankful is to use what he gives us for his honor and glory. We don't know exactly why, and, and we don't question God. We don't question God. We think about some great escapes from the Old Testament, and Old Testament really is just a whole narrative of escapes. I, I love to think about, I think it's Jeremiah 38, and, and Jeremiah is thrown into a, a dungeon pit, and he's left to sink in the mire, and he surely would have died had it not been for Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, who come, and he got 30 men together, and he told the king, and he said, I'm going to rescue him. He's going to die if, he doesn't, if he, somebody doesn't get him out of there. He let down a rope and put some clothes around the rope so it wouldn't tear into Jeremiah's skin. He saved Jeremiah's life. Absolutely. Well, escape is one of Peter's favorite words over in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1. And let's just notice this, because we need to be thankful again for the escape from sin. The escape from sin is the great escape. The great escape. We may be able to look back on our lives and say, Lord, thank you that you got out, got me out of that tight situation. We may be able to grow in faith because of all the great escapes of the Old Testament literature. But really what it comes down to is to realize how thankful we should be for the great escape. Notice Peter mentions this in 2 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. He says, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and virtue, by which also he has granted to us his precious and very exceeding great promises, so that through them, through these promises, through these promises, uh, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped, there's the word, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. That's what happens when we're converted to Christ. We escape the corruption. If we are converted to him truly, and if we follow him truly, we will escape the corruption that is in the world. Peter uses it again in 2 Peter 2 and verse 20. If you notice it there, he says, For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. We don't want that to happen. But notice the, the initial salvation again. The initial salvation is described as being able to escape the defilements of the world and not be entangled therein. So we thank the Lord for escape. Escape. And then I want to move on and think about people. One of our last words this evening is people. People. We thank God. But as Paul does, and time is running away from us, we won't read these, but if you notice at the beginning of Philippians 1, 3 and 4, Paul thanks the Lord for his brethren. 
And then you'll notice him doing it again, Colossians 1, first few verses. And then again in 1 Thessalonians 1, first few verses. We thank the Lord for people. People. I think it was M.B. Hardiman, and M.B. Hardiman quoted uh, J.A. McNutt, who said, if you ever find a turtle sitting on the top of a fence post, you know he did not get there by himself. And doesn't that relate so heavily to our own lives? Do you stop and reflect just how many people the Lord has brought into your life that has helped, truly helped us in so many matters, especially the spiritual matters? So true. How do you say it? Do you say bouquet or bouquet? Probably the southern way is to say bouquet. We like the name bow, right? Bouquet. Someone has said when you look at Paul and all the people that he mentions, it's like, a, it's like, it's like he presents to the Lord in thanksgiving just a, a bouquet of flowers. Except it's not flowers, it's just people who have done he feels who have done so much and are doing so much for the Lord. And the things, the ones that pop into my mind, like Philippians 2, Epaphroditus, and then I think about um, Epaphras that Paul mentions in Colossians 1, and in Colossians 4, verse 12, Paul mentions Tychicus, who is always striving in his prayers, and Paul had close relations with Luke and Timothy and Philemon and Onesimus. And um, there's one mentioned in 2 Timothy 1 by the name of Onesiphorus. And these names are weird to us because they're from the first century in another language. But still, we can't miss the point that Paul was so very grateful for the people that God had placed in his life. It's real, it should be easier for us to, to thank the Lord for our brethren because everybody sits in the same place. Right? I mean, there's probably some disadvantages to uh, people sitting in the same place, uh, but there's one advantage, and that is you can just go in your mind, let your mind cross the auditorium, and you can just start thanking, thanking the Lord for your brethren and thinking about the good that this person has done and that person is doing and, and so forth. The story is told of a doctor years ago who went by making his rounds late in the evening, about this time of the year, and there was a young girl who had a curved spine, and the treatment in those days was to attach a, a box of some sort uh, to her back and she'd been in the hospital for some time, and, and the doctor was there, and her bed was somewhat close to the window, and she looked to the doctor, the little girl did, and said, you want to play a game? He said, what kind of game? She said, it's called the game of the stars. And she said, the stars are about ready to come out if you'll come over here, and he walked over there. and She said, you see all the stars coming out? She says, um, I thank the Lord for people in my life, and I let each star represent a different person. So that star is mommy, and that star is daddy, and that star there is my dog, and, 
That star there is is my grandmother, and and she looked back at the doctor, and she said, "The problem is, I run out of stars." Because she was so grateful for so many people. And if I just can imagine each of us, if we really were able to sit down and just start naming the people that have done so much for us in some way or another, then we would run out of stars as well. People. And so these words this evening, expression, how do we express things? Defense, gratitude can fend off that which is evil. Escape, escaping the corruption of the world is one of the great blessings of life. And then people, people. It's amazing. As we come to a close this evening, we must think about Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be unto God. Oh, I wish I had time. You mentioned time this morning. Time. That phrase, thanks be unto God, is used four times in the New Testament. One of those places is right here in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Okay. And so for your bedtime tonight, why don't you try to find the, the three other places? It's interesting. Paul would use this phrase, thanks be unto God. And here in 2 Corinthians 9.15, he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Guess who he's referring to there? Yeah, He's referring to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why is it unspeakable? Why is it so hard to describe? Well, we go to both ends. It's difficult for us to understand just how tragic sin is. God is so holy that any sin is of huge consequence in the Lord's sight. And then go to the other end, go all the way to heaven, and think about the reward that will come because of God's unspeakable gift. And it's very hard to describe just how much God loves us. For what He has done to bring us out of the corruption of the world and what He has in store for us because of His love, it's really difficult to put any words to it at all. But we are thankful. So we go back to Jesus' words. I thank you, Lord, that you have not revealed these things. You've hidden these things from the wise and understanding. But you have revealed them unto little children. And I pray we can become little children so we can understand more and more about God. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation this evening, thank you so much for walking through and noticing some of these Thanksgiving ideals, these Thanksgiving reflections uh, this evening. But right now, let's think as hard as we can about our, our walk with God. And if we can help you in any way, please make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing, Brother James.